0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 23rd, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The president boldly claimed last week that his administration would be calling the shots for governors, telling states when to open their economies back up in the wake of this viral pandemic. He even went so far as to say that his authority is total over governors. Well, all of that is almost completely wrong. And even though the president has since backed away from those claims almost completely, Cato's Gene Healy explains that it's worth taking the president's words seriously, if not literally. As we discussed the, the last time we spoke, uh, we saw the same pattern here. The president comes out and says something that... Um, Well, pretty much any constitutional scholar would tell you simply isn't true, that the president of the United States, that the authority is total uh, with respect to uh, the governors, that the president's authority supersedes that of governors. Um, Well, give us the the clearest explanation for precisely why that's wrong. Well, yeah, he had
1: kind of a banner week uh, at the Daily coronavirus briefings last week of uh, making sort of unhinged executive power threats uh he said on monday that if the more or less if the states don't do what he wants he'll overrule them uh it came back wednesday with uh, if congress doesn't do what he wants he'll shut it down um, and what ha- what tends to happen is uh you know that there's a media frenzy about this uh, you know law professors and pundits, uh, you know, go and research what, you know, can you do that? Um, and it tends more and more to, uh, be absolutist bluster that, that ends up not getting translated into policy. Um, so, you know, he said that, uh, you know, he had total authority over the States and, uh, you know, when you're president, you get to call the shots. He started he said that Monday, uh, he started backing down da- backing it down almost immediately. And by Thursday, he was saying in a conference call with the state governors that you guys call the shots. I think the same thing will happen with his uh, his more recent threat to uh, use his power to adjourn Congress. Um, because it it is part of a pattern. It's a pattern that predated the COVID-19 pandemic uh, by several years. I mean, just uh, more or less off the top of my head, he, uh, you know, since the beginning of his presidency, he's uh, tweeted about his absolute power to pardon himself. At one point, he said that he was going to, uh, amend the 14th amendment with, by executive order and, uh, uh, get rid of birthright citizenship. Uh, last summer he, uh, he tweeted out that, uh, you know, I guess by the vou- powers vested in, in him and by Twitter, uh, he was going to hereby order, uh, American companies to stop doing business with China. And in each case, what happened was, uh, he basked in the media frenzy and then did absolutely nothing to follow through. Uh, you know, you, you could get the impression that the real absolute authority that Donald Trump's interested in is uh, full spectrum dominance of the news cycle.
0: So with respect to Congress and the presidential power claimed to adjourn Congress if, he's, if he doesn't get what he wants – uh is there anything even close to that in the Constitution?
1: Well, in this case he's not completely making it up, uh as in so some other cases. The constitutional power he's talking about is in Article 2, Section Three. It says that when the two houses of Congress can't agree on a date when they go into adjournment, that the president can pick a date. Um and but it's a it's a very limited power, eh, which is one reason it's never been used. Uh, you know, the framers were concerned about uh, you know any power to to prorogue the legislature. Uh, the British king had the right to dissolve Parliament. Declaration of Independence actually complains about King George dissolving uh, representative houses for opposing his invasions of the rights of the people, and so they left the president with the. This narrow administrative power to adjourn Congress temporarily in this one circumstances where the w- one circumstance where the two houses don't agree. And it's a uh, on, th- on the time of their adjournment. And it's a circumstance that doesn't apply here. Uh, I mean, in theory, the Senate could conspire with the president, come back to Washington in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, vote to formally adjourn. And create this conflict with the House uh, if they wanted to voluntarily strip themselves of their power of advice and consent. Uh, Mitch McConnell has already said he's not going along with this. And so my guess is this is going to end up like all those other claims uh, that he can amend the Constitution by executive order, force the states to reopen their economies or pardon themselves. Uh, it's going to be a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing.
0: Okay, and what about states the The notion that uh, governors are subservient to a president in times of an emergency, and that uh, the, what's, what's weird is that the president is talking about ending the emergency, that the governors would have to be subservient in the process of coming out of lockdowns and uh, other sort of economic limitations
1: yeah, I mean federalism. The, our constitution's not set up like the Trump organization. Um, you know, the way it works is that states have fairly broad police powers over public health, safety, and welfare. Federal government is one of enumerated powers. And, you know, the, the 10th amendment underscores that the powers not delegated to the United States by the constitution are reserved to the states or the people. Um, so The federal government needs to be able to point to an enumerated power that would allow them to uh, override the decisions of state and local authorities on uh, things like retail closures. Uh, And even if, say, the federal power to regulate interstate commerce was broad enough to force states to to reopen their economies, it's a congressional power. And the president would have to point to a specific statute that delegated that power to him. And there is no such statute. Uh, But again, he's not going to do anything in this case. Uh, He had already started climbing down, uh, you know, by he he made the threat Monday. He started climbing down by Tuesday. The plan that he released uh, Thursday uh, is just basically a set of guidelines that leads it up, leaves it up to the the state governors. In other words, they call the shots.
0: But is there a reason to be concerned about the, just the sheer volume of these things? At some point, you expect a president who is not properly apprised of his authority to try to stick with one of these plans. At some point,
1: yeah, no, I, th- I think people are right to be concerned. I mean, they. They should recognize that there's a pattern here, uh, but I would say it's it's definitely not good to be saddled with a president who's constitutionally illiterate and has this penchant for strongman fantasies. Uh, and it's especially not good during a global pandemic. Uh, you know, we we should worry about it because there's tremendous pressure uh, on the office for bold presidential action and. That means we're in a different situation, maybe than we were before uh, early March. That uh, you know, because of that pressure, uh, the chances that he'll actually try to implement one of these crank theories uh, is higher. I mean, th- there are cases, and for the most part, Donald Trump is not particularly interested in policy, but in the few cases where he does have a longstanding policy interest, like trade and immigration, uh, he's he sees new ground for the imperial presidency. Uh, he's dusted off in trade, this Kennedy-era uh, trade law provision that allows the president to restrict imports under claims of national security. And he's used that for steel tariffs and uh, threatened to use it to declare imported cars a, a national security threat he did something similar again well before the current crisis he did he made a similar move with regard to uh, national emergency powers you know when uh, February a year ago when he uh, did an end run around Congress by making a national emergency declaration uh, in order to shift billions of dollars towards the towards building the wall on the mech on the uh, southern border. Uh, So it's not the case that he never acts on uh, ambitious theories of of executive power. Uh, He has in the past. And I think the increased pressure of of the global pandemic makes it more likely that, uh, you know, he will act on one of these authoritarian impulses. Um, so I think people are right to be concerned about it, but I also think they shouldn't be too distracted by it. Because what's strange is uh, where other presidents, you know, the crisis is sort of the health of the presidency. And, uh, you know, you certainly saw this after nine eleven. you saw it after the financial crisis. Here's a third great crisis of the 21st century. And Trump has not Made any radical moves uh, with regard to fighting the coronavirus? Any radical moves to to seize additional executive power? Mostly, uh, you know, he he issued a national emergency declaration uh, in the middle of March. Um, That uh, mostly uh, freed up some federal funds, and uh, actually, some of it was was sensible. Uh, The remove some restrictions on telemedicine and uh, whether the federal government can pay for procedures by doctors who are licensed out of of the state where the procedures performed. Uh, There has so far been no massive power grab dedicated to fighting coronavirus. At the same time, though, one thing he has done is sort of work-a-day conventional power grabs. Uh, There's an ongoing, uh, what looks like an ongoing war on on oversight of the executive branch. Uh, Earlier this month, he fired a couple of uh, executive branch inspectors general, the uh, head watchdog over the uh, intelligence community. Uh, Trump fired him in early April. Uh, Pretty clearly, because of his role in forwarding the whistleblower complaint to Congress that uh, resulted ultimately in Trump's impeachment. And uh, a week later, he fired, or less than a week later, he fired the inspector general who was in charge of of monitoring the disbursement of more than $2 trillion of uh, pandemic relief funds. Uh, There's a pattern where Donald Trump is especially interested in executive power as a means of punishing his political enemies, settling scores, and protecting himself from oversight. And I think we should keep our eye on that ball uh, as well and not be overly distracted by these crank theories of executive power that he uh, issues off the cuff at the daily coronavirus briefings.
0: Gene Healy is a vice president at the Cato Institute and author of The Cult of the Presidency. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.